Don't look now, but your responsibilities as a warehouse provider are just about ready to increase. This is Chris Joslin, and welcome to another edition of Jaws Bites. Chris Joslin, Road Scholar at iLevelLogistics.com. Coming to you today uh, to talk a little bit about some articles that I read recently, and I'll get into that in a minute, but we are we are sponsored specifically by what is an aggregated informational website that, that has been designed specifically for you guys in mind. And when I say you guys, I guys and gals that are out there in the transportation industry, whether you work for a large company, dispatching, customer tracing, whatever you may be, and you're, lear- you're looking to to grow and learn in this industry, or, or maybe you're a young entrepreneur, or like me, an older entrepreneur, trying to get out there and do your own thing, independent of others, and, and creating and running a small business. We're the site for you. iLevelLogistics.com, it's coming across your, your screen right here, and it's uh, something really, really advise you to, to take a look at, whether it's directly on our site or one of the social media platforms out there, even LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. So go there, check us out, hit one of the tabs. You can you can drop down and see any number of subjects. We'll give you a daily roundup if you subscribe on there for free. We'll even aggregate something on a weekly basis for you to take a look at. We'll have these kind of podcasts for you to learn together with us because that's really what it's all about is to, to turn this into a conversation, if you will, an online conversation. They're very popular today, and we're one of those with the intent to uh, create a larger narrative around the transportation logistics industry in the nation today. We've, in general, been the uh, the kind of, of seen but not heard of industry out there, but we're vitally important. And more and more so you look today and you see how very important it is to get products to and from where they need to go, either for, from a manufacturer on finished goods to where they need to go, or raw materials, international, air, freight, rail, all those kinds of things. So... I'll leave that commercialism aside for right now, and you can always subscribe by hitting the button on your screen as well. We'd love to see you, love to converse with you about all these subjects. But for today, I saw an article, geez, just uh, about a week or two ago, and it was specific around, specifically uh, pointing out a kind of the next step in the government's direction to try to uh, continue to push the agenda of green initiatives in one way, shape, or another to clean up the air in Southern California. I'm in Southern California, and just to tell you a real quick story, I, I've been here for about 30 years, and I used to travel the freeways north and south, San Diego, L.A., all around, and I would put on a pair of prescription, uh, prescription now, it wasn't then, that was quite a few years ago, but I put on a pair of uh, um, uh, polarized sunglasses. And it would be like you'd come up against the, the mountains or near the mountains, and it would be like riding through a brown cloud. So now I've looked up and researched a little bit about this with the the uh, California Air Resource Board, and, and what we're going to talk about today is the South County Air Quality Management District. And there's a lot of data you can look up, and they have data all the way back into the 70s and how there were federal standards on trying to eliminate or lessen the air pollution out there, whether it's ozone or particulates, all kinds of things. And and certainly Southern California has a ton of fires, so that contributes to a lot of this as well. 
But a big contribution is that we have a huge populace, a lot of industry, a lot of poor congestion, a lot of cars, a lot of everything that creates additional carbon footprint. So, um, you know, from the 70s on through 2020, you can look up the stats, and there's a progressive cleanup of the air. But what ends up happening, this is a continuous improvement um, facilitation. Anybody that's trying to put together an initiative to do something that they feel is going to be good for society as a whole along the lines of these these uh, these districts, these air quality management teams, is to move the needle. So you, you create a threshold, you create a benchmark, if you will, and then once you see the trend line coming on down below that benchmark, you have to to recalibrate that benchmark. So in some ways, statistics are a little disingenuous because if it's a lot of statistics today will show that there's been a certain amount of days over the federal standard of ozone in the in the in the air quality and then a certain number of days that are under that and each year there's a good trend line and then you'll see a pop where they've changed the the benchmark and then you have to kind of reinitiate all these things are pushing the collective good now we could sit around and talk for hours about the political ramifications and the the agendas different people have and you know a lot of times I look at these kinds of things and I think uh, you know Mayor Pete our new DOT uh, head is probably sitting back and let let California be the tip of the spear let them experiment all they want with all these particular things and then we'll adjust from there and spread that kind of, of certification that kind of over um, not overreach, but oversight, I should say, on the rest of the country as it applies appropriately for ports and large congested metropolitan areas, etc. All of this to say that this new potential rule, which is in probably its third or fourth iteration at this point, it looks pretty extensive, it's about 20 pages long at this, at this point, is called PR 2305. And again, the South County uh, Air Quality Management District put this in pl- into place as an indirect source rule. Now, what does that mean? So, so when you have the potential to affect your overall carbon footprint, your overall emissions from a facility, a, a warehouse, and we're specifically looking at a warehouse of 100,000 square feet or more at this point implemented over the course of the next few years. But By the way, this does include operators of the warehouse, not just the owners. So if the owner of a warehouse is 300,000 square feet and you have 100,000 square feet of it, or even 50, then you're going to be subject to these rules as well. Now, this is not in place yet, but it's coming. So this indirect resource, or not resource, indirect source rule basically says that you have the potential and have forever had these constrictions to to affect your, your current... Um, emission standard to capture as much as you can by upgrading your lighting system, which is a potential thing. If you're a cold chain, supply chain person, to upgrade that as well, to, to manage your airflows, to, to cut down on, on the types of um, vehicles that you have running in and out of within your own complex. Uh, the There's a lot of things. Matter of fact, there's a, a separate rule other than 2305 called 1480 that's been around a while that will take downwind and upwind monitors and every three or four four days they will take a look at what the particular output is from your facility 
they call it fugitive emissions, which I, I find a, a very ingenious way of putting it because you've got fugitive emissions, which means they escape from your facility, and then you've got captured emissions, which you can constrain or sequester within your own facility. So these fugitive emissions are monitored, managed, and if, you're, if your health rating is ab above a certain threshold, you know, or safety health rating is above that threshold, then you're going to be constricted by certain things you're going to have to do. So for, for years in the, in the trucking industry, we've been subject to a whole lot of different oversight from local, uh, regional, and even national uh, governmental agencies looking to try to continually improve the societal impact of our industry. Now, all those things are good. I mean, you, we, can, we can talk about kind of the underpinning reasons for a lot of this to happen and some of the things that make um, small business versus large business competitive or non-competitive in certain arenas because of the need to upgrade engines and, and renew truck purchases or put extra, um, you know, uh, streamlining on trailers. There's all kinds of things we can talk about. There's there's things about, you know, if you look at on, on certain boards today, you'll see that there's a certain amount of ships ready to offload their cargo, but they're kept a certain distance from the ports, specifically because of rules and regulations along these manner, along these, these ways. So, but this indirect source rule is, is a kind of a logical extension to things because I, I will tell you over the course of the last 10 years or so, as the port drayage community has been told they have to upgrade their trucks, it's just like the IRS. There's a million loopholes, right? So, so industry finds a way to adapt to the new rules that are put out there, and then the, the rule makers find a way to adapt to the, the loopholes that the industry finds. So one of the things a lot of port truckers have done over the years is they would set up a, a drop and hook at a local warehouse facility near the port, hopefully near the port if you want to cut down on your drage capability with the overweight corridor, it makes it even easier for some of this to happen. So they would send in the newer units to be, that are going to have to idle longer at the ports, etc., and they would drag those new contain those those loaded containers from the steamships to a local yard or a local warehouse where an older truck of some kind that, that wasn't a subject to the same restrictions that the port guidance get, had required would go to the local destination warehouse for door-to-door -door deliveries, things like that. So this rule basically says that if you have a 100,000 square foot warehouse or more, or you operate at least 50,000 square foot of a warehouse within a larger context, a larger facility, then you're going to be responsible for, for some of the fugitive emissions brought about by the trucking in and out of your facility. So now you are being required to control, in part, companies outside of your own. So th there's a, <laughs> a snowball effect that's going to occur. You can see it coming a mile away. So these warehouses are going to have to comply to a certain degree. There's, there's an entire point system uh, involved with this called Warehouse Action and Investment to Reduce Emissions. That's W-A-I-R-E, point system. And basically, they're gonna, there's a formula that comes up with how many truck trips you have in and out of your facility in any given year. Usually, I think it's from July 1st through June 30th. I think that's the, the time frame they're going to use year to year. And to gain these wear points, 
you have to do exactly what it says. You have to have some kind of warehouse actions and investments to reduce emissions. So there's, there's, there's going to be a requirement for a certain amount of points per year. Then there's going to be the actions that the warehouse owners or operators are going to have to take to meet that point requirement. And if they're able to do that by investing, you know, low or zero emissions trucks in and out, yard goats, different facility changes, things like this, restricting uh, entrance and exit to, to companies other than themselves that are, you know, ZE or NZE visits, you know, on-site solar panels, and even, even installing filtration systems in residence, schools, and other buildings that are adjacent in to the, the warehouse and communities adjacent to the warehouse. So this is this is designed in a, a, a very interesting way. It, it can be looked at as a, a promising um, community design with with the goal in mind of, of bettering not just the warehousing and trucking industry involved in this, but the surrounding communities. And that's very important in the dense area of Los Angeles, population area of Los Angeles, with all the transportation that goes on. But at the same time, it's it's going to have a lot of, uh, as I said earlier, snowball effects. It's going to, to change the way uh, warehousemen and truckers that, that, that uh, you know, sponsor those warehouses in and out. It's going to change the way we have to all do business if it goes through as it is. Now, there's always modifications that occur. There's always exemptions. There's, there's always other things that can occur. But ultimately, this is the way our industry is being driven. So the question becomes, from my personal standpoint, is how do we react to those things? Do we take a hard line against them and try to find another loophole? Or do we finally get to a point, what I like to call the tipping point, where we have to decide what to reinvest in our company or what to focus on that allows us to profit from situations like this? So I have no answers for this today. I just wanted to throw some information out as to what we're trying to do, what, what we're seeing is happening in the industry today. But the whole idea that fugitive emissions coming out of your facility that aren't generated by your facility are now going to be your problem. That's really important to understand. Because if it's, if it's the problem now of the warehousemen, they're going to do what, we, what everybody does in business. They're going to push that problem down to the lowest common denominator. And that lowest common denominator is typically the owner-operator's in the, in the region. And this may start in California, but it'll go beyond, just like a lot of things do, just like AB5 and some of the other things that we will talk about in other, other, other podcasts will do. But I, I, I think it's real important to understand that, that the secondary effect of this is an additional financial burden of some kind. And there's almost no escaping it. These, the, this, this work group at the uh, the uh, uh, South County Air Quality Management District has thought of a lot of the details here. And they basically said, if you can manage to, to upgrade your wear points on a per year basis, so each year you're going to have this same kind of criteria to get to, and you know they'll change that as they go along. But if, if, um, if you're able to do that, fantastic. If you're not, you're going to be given the ability to fill that gap uh, with dollars and cents. So there will be a penalty for not meeting your specific um, your specific amount of of uh, wear points. 
that you get out of that. So you can reinvest in, in your situation, especially if you have a long-term. So if you're an owner of a warehouse, you can do that. You can invest into trucks. You may see warehouses starting to use their own fleets, if they, especially if they get some subsidy from the government, which they probably will. Because the state of California is, is pushing everybody to electric and eventually autonomous and things like that. So you can see where a lot of this is going. But one way or another, the payments are going to come from you and I as a consumer. So all these goods coming from Asia come across through our harbors, in through warehouses, through crosstalk facilities, through deconsolidation and consolidation facilities, and they're sent out via less than truckload, full truckload, planes, trains, and automobiles to the rest of the nation. And on a, a cents per unit category, we're probably talking about pennies or less per unit, but it all adds up. This has to, to uh, be filtered down to the consumer. Now, be, before I put this podcast together, I did have some communications back and forth with a couple of subscribers at iLevel, uh, logistics.com, which I, if I didn't mention earlier, you can subscribe here right online. Um, you can also go to our website, ilovelogistics.com, or go to any one of a number of social media websites like the LinkedIn or Facebook, etc., and, and click through and, and really become a part of our community as it grows. We'd love to have you. We're looking forward to, to growing together in this process. But the, the couple of questions that came in, both were around the same thing. Why? Why does this have to happen? And the general, I won't read them out loud, but the general feeling for, for a couple of the main questions that I'm thinking about right now while I'm, I'm wrapping this up was that the, is this the government, um, is it overreach? I said that by accident earlier, but that's really the question that most people have when I talk about these kinds of things. Is this just another example of overreach? Depends on where you're looking at it from, I guess. If you're a small business owner with a couple of trucks and you're, you're hanging on by the skin of your teeth trying to make ends meet, hoping you don't have to upgrade your truck for another few years, well, then this is what you believe. It's government overreach. It's, it's another way for somebody to either push you out to the fringes of our transportation environment in the region and, and basically, frankly, make you take, take uh, focus your attention on things not around warehouses of this size because if you're under 50,000 square feet, you're not going to be subject to this yet, right? Um, I have my personal opinion on this, but I think it's always a combination of things. I think you have a lot of people who look at our our civilization out here on the West Coast and, and you know, we're the fifth, sixth largest economy in the world out here. A lot, a lot of people, a huge amount of commerce running into and out of this, this uh, Southern California region in, in a specific designated need for us to continue to make it suitable for living out here. And again, if you look from the 70s to today, you see a huge difference. I don't have to worry about wearing those polarized sunglasses anymore and seeing the dirt in the air. You can still see it once in a while, but it's nothing like it used to be. Not even close. It's hard to tell young people that today because they, they just you know, hear what they want to hear on the radio or the radio on the Internet. <laughs> but the, the reality is, is that it can be looked at as a as a way to make things better for a society's whole. And it can, can be looked at in the opposite vein, that this is just another way to pick our pockets. 
and another way to 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 put more money in the in the California state coffers to be used for things that we really don't have an interest in as far as individuals as far as small business owners i guess both things can be true at once right it can be something that's good for you and also something that's going to cost you money the question really comes down again to how we want to move forward with with subjects like this because this isn't the only one there's a lot of them like it and when i have my you know jaded moments and i'm having my cup of coffee and i'm you know upset or about something or another these kind of things come up in my mind and they say i i say how how do i how do i keep moving forward in industry that's that keeps trimming my margins as they go along the reality is we adapt and we continue to have to do so and really probably the main way to do that in my mind is to have these kind of um, dialogues with ourselves and with those around us with groups form groups get engaged with with things that that um, that affect us like this and get involved with your community your local community, of course, but I'm also talking about your business community because these things are talked about all the time and multiple heads are always better than one. There's ways to figure these things out. There's a a ton of money going in that you can borrow or get grants to accommodate some of the things that go on out there in the industry. So take a look at this stuff very closely. Pay attention to the articles around it. Go on our website anytime and look up any number of aggregated um, informational uh, hyperlinks out to different news agencies and things that, that, that take a look at the things that are going to affect you on a day-to-day basis and help you make decisions. We, we, we're hoping to help in our own small way. We want to hear feedback. We want to make things better as they go along. Please do so and, and give us your feedback. Uh, come to us with, with information, with updates. Come to us and say, you're absolutely wrong, Roadstyle. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Or come to us and say, hey, if you think about it this way, this is, this is what should happen. But again, um, it's the air we breathe. we got to do something about it to make it good for, good for us to go. But we've got to do it in a systematic, appropriate way. And these kind of, of oversight um, rules and regulations are going to continue to come, come at us. That's just a reality. So our question, the question I have for you today is, how are you going to deal with that reality? And uh, we'll dive into some of these other things in the, in the podcast very shortly. In the meantime, I look forward to, to talking to you, um, communication via, via the uh, website one of the social media platforms, and I'll be looking forward to coming to you next about something hopefully important to you and me as well. Thanks so much. Take care.